The year is 1945, the same year the U.S. dropped atomic bombs on Hiroshima and Nagasaki, ending World War II. The horrors of the Nazi Holocaust were uncovered. Rita Hayworth and Lauren Bacall were icons. It was a time of intense paradox. The horrors of war in Europe and the innocence of kids playing outside unsupervised and doors left unlocked. In Chicago, two women were brutally murdered, both stabbed in the neck, bodies washed, wounds taped shut, and heads covered. Early January 1946, a six-year-old is missing in a wealthy neighborhood snatched from her home on the north side. Her severed head with her blue ribbon still in her hair was found floating in a sewer catch basin and her legs and torso discovered in separate sewer locations nearby. A massive manhunt for the killer was launched. The city was paralyzed with fear. Kids no longer felt safe until the killer was caught. But was he really the killer? Did an innocent man serve a life sentence and the real killer get away with it? Were there actually two killers? This is a case of the lipstick killer, and this is Outline of a Murder. Imagine me with my head on your shoulder And you with your lips getting bolder A sky full of moon and a sweet mellow tune Ah, by that dream We are on our second case, which is the lipstick killer. And welcome to Outline of a Murder. Well, I was going to do that, but okay. I beat you to it. <laughs> now, what we're going to do is every single podcast, we're, dr- we're drinking a drink true to that time. Last season was wine. This yes. season is 40s, 50s. Drinks. Yes. yes. The lipstick killer is 1945, and the drink is the French 75. I'd like you to take it. Take okay. a sip. Together? Okay. Yes. Okay. That's pretty good. You don't like it? Obviously, I do. Mm. <laughs> you like that? It's a that? little early. 1039. <laughs> you like that? Really? This is really good. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I know. No, I'm... I wonder if this is a sipper drink or is it? I'm not a, liking it. This is really good. That's disgusting. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Very good. You're weird. Mm-mm-mm-mm. Okay. You're smacking away on the <laughs> podcast. <laughs> okay. Well, you know what? It's actually, you know, the French 75. It's what? Citrusy gin. It's uh, supposed to have the squeeze of a lemon, 
but we didn't have lemon. We didn't have lemon, so we had lemonade, mm-hmm. and then simple syrup, which is basically sugar water, sugar. and then champagne. So really, it's probably not good. I think instead of dashing sugar in there, we probably should have actually made the simple syrup. They probably have simple syrup. Because mine's still not dissolved, and I like Maybe, I wonder if the alcohol sugar. didn't. Uh, mine's dissolved. Well, that's good. I see I'm little bubbles. Yours is you don't see, is it bubbles or is it sugar? And then it's, did I say champagne? So, yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's not bad at all. But I, I, I don't know. Maybe it's a gin flavor. Maybe I don't like the flavor of gin. My, I, I don't see sugar, but when I drink it, it looks like maybe it's moving it's around bubbles. in there. No, it's a bubble. It's bubbles. Well, I'm glad yours is perfect. Right. I'm okay. Sorry, yours isn't. Now this case uh, right. is problematic for me on several levels. Well, this case, lipstick killer. I don't even remember this case. Oh, so this is or be a hearing treat. about it. This is gonna be a treat yeah, for, for you. me. It's gonna be a treat. Yes. In fact, before we get started, let me open up the uh, photos because I I didn't know much about it. I remember, you know, hearing a little bit. Obviously, you know, following true crime since I was sixteen. I've heard about the lipstick killer case, but I didn't know any of the details. And I just have problems with a lot of the case and who they said did it. I am not sure that he did it at all. Which we will get into, of course. Yes, we're going to dive into that. Any of the pictures and information that we're going over is on our website, outlineofamurder.com. And then also I'll put stuff on Facebook. Um and Instagram. But this is, let's see, let me, I remember this photo where you've got the crime scene and then in the background you have written, I think that was on the wall, for heaven's sake, catch me before I kill more. I cannot control myself. With lipstick? Mm-hmm. Or? That's why they called him the lipstick oh, killer. But I okay. found out who actually put that on there. Really? Wasn't the killer. So, Okay, but they yeah. still called him the lipstick killer? Because mm-hmm. I was thinking something to do with lipstick on the body. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No. And, uh, okay, I do not believe, I'm just going to say straight up, and then people, you know, they're welcome to share what they think, but I do not believe the man convicted of these crimes is guilty. Since I don't remember, I'll save my judgment. But, you know, also the listeners can get on our website, right? Mm-hmm. And they can... They can leave even comments, but comments even on Instagram and, and Facebook, too. Things they believe. And also, I don't think the crimes are related. So oh. I'll explain that. I think it's actually two killers. And so we're going to go over the cases, um, obviously, you know, like in some of the thoughts toward the end. But in 1945, just to give people a little bit of a history of what it was like. Um, so we've got, you know, a, a submarine or a... Uh, ship the USS uh-huh. Indianapolis was sunk by the uh, Japanese. The war in Europe ended on May seventh of that year. The nuclear bombs were dropped on Hiroshima uh-huh. and Nagasaki on August fourteenth. Uh, the Germany concentration camp uh, survivors were freed and liberated. Uh, let's see, um, polio was uh, active. People were getting that, and the. Um, Let's see. Basically, I guess you would say it was a time. Oh, yeah. The cost of living. I mean, the, a new house was like $4,600. People made about $2,400 a year. Not crazy. Or 60 a month. And get this. With today's gas prices, the cost of a gallon of gas was 15 cents. 
Wow. Yeah. And a new car was like a thousand dollars and twenty a thousand and twenty dollars. I mean it just it's Those amazing. Days are gone for sure. Mm-hmm. So that was the even though it was maybe more innocent, like you had the U.S. Navy Flight 19 that disappeared that year over the Bermuda Triangle. So you have like an innocence to the time, but also a lot of death, a lot mm-hmm. of destruction. And that's we're close to the time of the Black Dahlia, which we just got done with, uh, which, by the way, people thought that the killer, the lipstick killer also killed Elizabeth Short. I do not believe that. either. No, I don't either. But, you know, I think back then, too, the there wasn't such a murder uh it, it was more innocent you could walk the well, streets I don't know, and because los angeles had like you know 12 murders and 40 something burglaries and crime was higher because of the war that's true too so yeah. i don't know where that comes from except that maybe back in those days the family unit was tighter i don't know i don't know why people say it was a more innocent time because like even when i watch some of the old movies like by Cary right. Grant and stuff they were risque for me back in that day they were you know they, it probably just wasn't talked about as much in the unit family unit I mean you know you you got married you usually stayed married right. you know kids could play out in the you streets could play more. outside yeah mm-hmm. now the crimes happened in Chicago it's June 4th and World War II again is still being fought in fact, um, on August 6th, they dropped Fat Boy uh, on Hir- uh, Hiroshima, and then on August 9th, they dropped Little Man on Nagasaki, and that ended the war, World War II. Also, the horrors of the Nazi Holocaust mm-hmm. were exposed. Bob Hope was probably one of the most famous people in America, and he would work with the, the military a lot doing comedy shows. Right. Uh, gold was valued at $37.25 an ounce crazy and then the top baby names back in that day were mary and james and then rita hayworth and lauren bacall were icons and the slinky was invented in 1945 yeah i thought that That's was interesting. interesting i had a slinky did you yes i loved my slinky mm-hmm. okay now you know we, we definitely have i guess actually i would probably use the word times were more simple they were, you know, and I versus do think, innocent because I think there was a lot of stuff going on that wasn't necessarily. There innocent. was, but compared to today, I mean, mm-hmm. it was innocent. Like even in the seventies, I thought it was just safer. And mm-hmm. then when I grew up and watched crime, you're like, oh man, they had that in the seventies, eighties. Hence the golden age right. of serial killers. Right, right. But a lot of people don't know that was the golden age of serial killers. Right. You know, so. Yeah, I do think it was simpler. Mm-hmm. We m- ride our bikes out, uh, come home at Even dark. Even in the 80s, just... which actually there was a lot of crime in the 80s, too. I remember riding my bike all over the place. And families had actual meals together, mm-hmm. you know. So it, that's probably why it's, you know, simpler time. Yeah. Okay. Now, um, wholesome family life typically, um, you know, the flip side of that is detective work was totally different than it is today right. meaning back then they would torture people to get confessions they you know, would it was bad and like yes there's some racist uh cops today but back then like if you were a black man arrested in certain parts of the country you would get beaten oh, yeah. you would get tortured and possibly killed i mean it was a a totally different time there wasn't as much 
uh, maybe regulations when it comes to cops no. and how they treat people. And we're going to see that a lot in this case. But on the other flip side, they also had to do the work harder. You know what I mean? There wasn't technology, mm-hmm. well, a real investigation. You really had to work for you'll it. You'll see why this is so important to state from the start as we go, because it really makes me wonder how many people were put in jail that were innocent Oh, I because think that, of those tactics. And I think today there's some same. Yeah, but today you got like DNA and stuff. Right. So yes, I do agree that it still happens, but I am just... Actually, it scares me to think how many people might be in jail Mm -hmm. from back in that time that shouldn't have been. Right. Okay, the first murder, so I want to dive right into the murders, took place June 4th, 1945 at the home of a 43-year-old Josephine Ross. She was found in her home dead from four stab wounds to her neck. Okay, so the, the modus operandi is going to be really important. So she's got four stab wounds to her neck. A skirt has been wrapped around her neck, and then her wounds were also taped shut. That's interesting. Like very interesting. Tried to save her or regret? No, I think it. I think it. Or no. for show? I think it was a signature. Oh. The cops initially felt that Josephine was killed by an intruder that was there to burgle burgle her, uh, and then was surprised to see her. But I don't. I don't think that was the case. The home had been ransacked. Blood was everywhere, but nothing was taken. That's interesting. Yep. So maybe someone she knew? I don't know, because we're talking about a serial killer. This this well, person's have, a serial killer. But I'm not familiar with the case, so I don't know that yet. Uh, police did find a few dark hairs in her hand, so the cops knew that they were looking for a dark-haired suspect, but there were no fingerprints uh, they say now later i think i found some cases where there might have been some fingerprints uh, some accounts but i'm not sure a lot of people have dark hair too well I'm back gonna, then especially i'm gonna say right off the bat i do not think it was a burglary i do not think that the the person was surprised by her i think she was targeted as a victim oh. and it was and i think that it was probably his first kill but i'm not pos- positive she was bathed post-mortem and then her wounds were taped. I wonder what the purpose of that was. Mm-hmm. Bathing, a lot of killers do that, but the tape. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's weird. It almost makes you wonder if there's like a cleanliness still. Because just like Elizabeth Short, who was scrubbed with a brush right. before she was uh, posed, we've got where they're being murdered and then bathed and then their wounds taped shut. So the police did a lot of interviews. They cleared her fiance and then several ex-boyfriends. Who found her? I don't know. So this was uh, June 4th. Okay, now we have, um, let's see, August, no, December. So this is now December 11th, 1945. 32-year-old Frances Brown was discovered murdered in her bathroom of her apartment at the Pine Grove Hotel. Her head was wrapped in towels. Oh. She had been shot in the head and then stabbed with a bread knife in the neck with such force the blade was sticking out of the other side of her neck. Her body was stripped and rinsed of blood, and her wounds were taped, like Josephine's. Yeah. There were no fingerprints or hairs at the scene. However, the killer had written in lipstick on the living room wall, for heaven's sake, catch me before I kill more. I cannot control myself. So this, you know. Kill more. 
Yeah. And this fits perfectly with the sensationalized Chicago press. So just like the L.A. was crazy, so was the Chicago press. So the main thing was she had the knife. But you know what? He went a lot of violence all the way through mm-hmm. her neck. Well, yeah, most killers like are angry. that on the other one. Well, we don't know. We just oh. know she was stabbed in the neck is all it said. We don't know oh, how okay. forceful it was. But we've got some similarities. Mm-hmm. We have um, the skirt wrapped around the one lady's neck and head. We've got this lady with towels around her head. Both were bathed, both stabbed in the throat, and both wounds taped. And then you've got the one where this one where she was shot first. My idea. That's interesting. I think he didn't realize how hard and bloody it would be to kill the first victim and so he wanted to kill the second victim easier but stabbing her too was very important which then takes me to the thought of maybe being a sexual sadist because they stabbing can be like the i guess you would say the sex act for a sadist and because why would you stab in the neck if they're already dead from the gunshot wound and some killers stabbing is more quiet more personal yeah but he shot her but he shot her so i think i mean i could be wrong but i think he didn't realize how difficult it is to kill somebody Mm -hmm. and so he thought at the next crime scene he would just shoot the person first but the stabbing is very important to this killer yeah because the first one you said um there was blood everywhere Mm -hmm. so that a struggle so it is it would be harder Mm -hmm. Mm yeah because a lot of killers don't know how it's going to go no you don't know Uh, Later, a reporter admitted to writing that himself. Wow. Now, I wasn't able to verify it, but that is one of the accounts that the reporter said he wrote that to make it more sensationalized. Do you believe that? I do. You do? I do. I mean, Um, who does that, though? You're a reporter. They were, well, reporters today, I think, suck. Well, I know, but you don't write a killer's message on the wall. Yeah, but... That back then they were all over the crime scene. Right, they, they were. I mean, you know, the only evidence I could really take seriously would be the hairs that were in Josephine's hands because it was awfully a struggle. Right. Obviously, and then any blood. But other than that, I mean, everything's ruined. Well, he sort of would have to get there first, then, mm-hmm. which they have done before because mm-hmm. they have scanners. They have to write such a thing. So whether the killer wrote it or this reporter, I don't know. It was there. The problem is that for a long time the police felt that the killer had written it. And so the uh, press started calling him the lipstick killer. That's where that name came from. So I showed you that picture. Right. Now, the third murder is the most savage and despicable of them all. Around 730 in the morning of January 7th, 1946, James Degnan went into his six-year-old daughter's room, probably to wake her up for school, and found Suzanne missing. Now, if you have kids, you probably want to get them out of the room. The family lived in a wealthy enclave on the north side, a part of town you would feel safe in. So let me get that picture uh, brought up here so you can see. That's young, six years old. So this is a little girl Mm -hmm. right there. And then um, this is where they lived. And then that right there, that circle, this is her window, I believe, or the window that the killer came out of one of the two but part of her i believe was found right there um but we'll get into those details so uh that's where they lived they couldn't find her he immediately called police and then by 10 that morning five men were on the scene looking for little suzanne 
Soon reporters and press photographers got there. Cops found a crumpled note in her room telling the family that he or she wanted $20,000 ransom, ransom along with the warning to not call the cops or the FBI, but to wait for word from the kidnapper. But it's too late. Like they didn't right. know the note was there. Mm-hmm. They'd already contacted the police. Now, and tw- sometimes they don't watch. It's just a threat. Right. They don't just stand there and watch to see if the police are involved. Yeah. So $20,000 back then is about $309,000 today. Wow. Uh, police soon learned that this was a ruse because at 7 p.m. the same day, Susan's severed head was found less than a block away, floating in a sewer catch basin. Her blue ribbons were still tied in her hair. And then within the next few hours, her legs and torso were discovered in separate sewer locations nearby. Which isn't like the first two at all. No, it's not. And that's what I'm I'm like, okay, you've got two women in their forties mm. being murdered very similar sim good grief. Similar. Yeah. And then you've got this little girl Child. who's tiny and she's cutting pieces. So me right now I'm saying not the same killer. I don't even know how they put the two killers together. You know what I mean? Like, I don't yeah, I, know I why they did that. Now, of course, back in the day, they weren't maybe necessarily aware of serial killers, you know, so any atrocious killing was maybe tied to just one person. Actually, I heard on a podcast, and it wasn't that year, but the term ser- serial killer didn't even exist. And that's good, huh? Didn't even exist back then. Right. It didn't happen at I think until, until the 80s. I think so. Eighty Late 80s, maybe? And they called them a series killer first, yeah, and yeah. then serial uh, caught on. Okay. You can imagine the reaction. It was immediate. It was a frenzy. The gruesome details went out fast, and the Degnan case be- uh, became the first national crime sensation of the post-war era. Was she sexually assaulted? I don't know. I might get into that later. Okay. Those who were children living in Chicago at the time remember Suzanne's murder. Rob, Robert Ressler, who later became an FBI profiler, credited with coining the term serial killer, was nine years old and lived in Chicago at the time. Suzanne's murder and the events of that summer inspired Ressler to be a criminologist. He said it, quote, changed the innocence of neighborhoods where people had taken for granted that they could have unlocked doors and walk alone at night. The police questioned thousands of men and women, arrested many suspects, and with each arrest, the state's attorney, William Tauhi or Tuhi, announced that they had their man. And then they'd have to let them That's go. That's a little quick. Yes. And so I'm sure that frustrated and angered residents, right? Because it's like, okay, you know, we want our children safe. We want to be safe. There's obviously a maniac going around killing women and children. And so, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, we got our killer. And then they would let them go. Mm-hmm. So just keep in mind that and the pressure to solve this was pretty, pretty high. Okay. All right. So everybody's mad. Everybody's frustrated. It increased the pressure to solve it. One arrest was a 65-year-old building janitor, but they released him after two days of torture because he refused to confess to a murder he didn't commit. Months later, they've run out of leads. The FBI found a few smudge prints on the ransom note, but that was it. So here's the summary of the cases. 
The first two murders were women in their 30s and 40s killed by an unknown assailant who broke into their apartments. Both were stabbed in the neck with the addition of a gunshot to Francis. Both apartments were ransacked, but nothing of value was taken. Both of the women's wounds were taped and heads wrapped. Josephine's body was washed in a bathtub, and Francis's body was washed the same way, but she was discovered draped over the tub. Right. I couldn't verify this, but some accounts said that the killer also urinated and defecated in the apartment apartments. I, I'm, I'm pretty much dismissing that because it can't be verified, um, but that was some of the accounts. That'd be DNA for sure. Right. But that those cases don't match this child's at all. No. So then you have the murder of Suzanne that's completely different. She was abducted from her room and killed somewhere else. She was strangled, not stabbed. She was dismembered. Her body parts were distributed in the sewer system. Her wounds were not taped. She was not washed, and her head was not covered. And again, some thought the same killer of Elizabeth Short was now in Chicago. Yeah, but her killer was a lot more tidy and clean and staging. Mm-hmm. He didn't. I don't think they're the same. So man. right off the bat, you know, when I'm studying this case, I'm like, these. This is. This is not the same killer. No, it's not. There's two separate killers here. Mm-hmm. And the lipstick message and the ransom note did not match. Now, if a reporter did it, that would make sense. If the killer wrote the lipstick message, then we know that if the thing, if the writing does not match the ransom note for Suzanne, it's not the same person. Exactly. So if if it was later they discovered that uh, the lipstick message was written by a reporter, then they would just dismiss the handwriting offhand, right? They wouldn't even be concerned about that. Because it's a reporter, isn't it? Yes. Okay. One of the strongest suspects the police had at the time was a man named Richard Russell Thomas. Thomas was a male nurse who would occasionally pose as a surgeon. Now, this is interesting right off the bat. Because Suzanne's body was dissected with surgical precision. Police felt the killer was either a butcher or medically trained. This guy, Thomas, lived in Phoenix, Arizona at the time, but he was in Chicago at the time of the murder. Oh, I wonder what brought the police to him. He hung out at a car agency near her home. Suzanne's arms were discovered in a sewer directly across from the car agency. Oh. Now, remember how we say killers aren't smart, just lucky? Right. I have, we watched a, a true crime the other day that the guy literally burned the victim's car across the street from where he worked. Crazy. So they do stuff like that. They like do you stuff. would think, why would you like, you know. Because they're probably thinking, no one would think it's me. I mean, it's right here. Why would I do that right by me or I where guess. I lived or worked? Or They are stupid. Yeah. Yeah. Now, he had been in prison in Arizona for molesting one of his daughters. Oh. So now he's a, he's a child predator, right? He looks he's like a, a good suspect. a sex criminal. Mm-hmm. Right. He also uh, served some time for attempted extortion and had a record for spousal abuse and burglary. His handwriting was, quote, very similar to the ransom note. Uh-huh. He confessed to killing Suzanne, but later recanted when a 17-year-old, William Hirons, was arrested for murder. But why would he, I mean, they, they had to have something on him. 
They had a well, lot on them, obviously. Yeah, so, so they don't think it now because they arrested somebody else? Mm-hmm. Even though all the evidence and points to him and the writing. Mm-hmm. Why did they get the 17-year-old? Well, he I'll confessed. explain it before we dive into him, though. Mm-hmm. I don't put much stock in confessions, especially back then, because, no. you know, they tortured people. But yeah. you would definitely have to know... Are there clear details that mm-hmm. the murderer would only know that the person is sharing? So back then, they were literally tortured out of some suspects. Rights weren't enforced or didn't mm-hmm. even exist. There were no appeals process for death penalty convictions. So if you were sentenced to death, you were usually put to death within days or weeks. Mm-hmm. Okay? Hanging or an electric chair was back then, wasn't it? I don't know if in they the had 40s? it yet or not. Probably. What was it called? Uh, Betsy? Well, that was in Florida. Yeah, I don't know. Hmm. Oh, no, Old Sparky. Old Sparky. But some eyewitnesses to the um, Ross murder, so that was one of the ladies, said they saw a swarthy, dark-haired, slender man of approximately 190 pounds. So he had to be pretty tall to be slender. Right. Walking through the building. An eyewitness to the Brown murder claimed to have seen a nervous-looking man around 35 to 40 and weighing 140 pounds, leaving the apartment shortly after the gunshots. I don't put much stock in these because, you know, eyewitnesses and all of that. Did any of that match the nurse, the male nurse? No. Hmm. Another witness said that they saw a man walking toward the Degnan apartment with a shopping bag. And that could be very innocent. You it know. could. So that's pretty much the eyewitness accounts of the murders. People live in the apartments. Mm-hmm. Men. Yeah, I mean, I it mean, could literally be someone yeah, with groceries there. going home. Okay, now let's get to the guy that was arrested and convicted and sentenced, um, William Hirons. So this is, let me show you the picture. Um, this is him, and you can see, like, he's been beaten. Oh, yeah. By police. Look at his shirt, his mm-hmm. face. This is him later. Uh, between his lawyers, I believe. And then, um, let's see. Look how young he looks. This is him right there. And it looks like he's about to cry. And then this is the victims, you know, so we've yeah. got the uh, three murders. And then here he is as an older man in prison. So that's that's um, the guy that they think uh, did all the killings. Interesting, he's older to kill that much that he wasn't executed right away. Well, you'll you'll find out why in a second. Okay, so William Hirons was looking forward to his date on June 26, 1946. Okay, so mm-hmm. this is after the murders. Uh, life was good for Hirons at the moment, which is was not always the case. His family life was rough. His parents argued all of the time, mm-hmm. and they were poverty poverty stricken. In fact, William was born on the eve of the Great Depression in Chicago. 
he had resorted to uh, petty theft, and he said that he it like relieved tension because of his home life was to go steal at a young age. Most of what he stole was money and other items that he stored. He didn't even use them. So for him, it was just something to do. It was like a game. But we know a lot of serial killers will start off as petty criminals and petty thieves. Right. When he was 12, Hirons accidentally shortchanged himself with the customer at the grocery store where he worked. So he stole a dollar bill from an apartment to make up the difference by reaching through the crack of the chain door and grabbing a dollar bill out of the purse that was right there. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. He started stealing, uh, stealing larger sums of money and then added personal items later, like cameras, cocktail shakers, guns, and handkerchiefs. He was arrested by the age of 13 for breaking into a local building's basement. He was arrested repeatedly and had a reputation of being a nuisance to local police. 13 years old. Mm-hmm. That's so sad. he's definitely on his way to crime. Right. Right? But, but it didn't make him a killer. Right, no, right no, no, then. Right. no. We do know, like, Bundy right. stole a lot. So there's definitely those, like, even rapists might eventually turn into serial killers. So there's typically some lower-level crime to mid-level crime to murder. So there's typically a progress that goes on. Whether he would have turned into a murder or not, I don't know. It could have happened, but I don't think he was. But I know he was well on his way, and he either mm-hmm. needed to take a shift or he was going to end up in prison. Right. He was eventually sent to a boys' semi-correctional school in Indiana. Didn't help. He was arrested soon after. So this time, the court recommended that he be sent to a private institute in central Illinois. He still stole, but he was a great uh, student. He earned top grades in all subjects. Really? In fact, before he was even 16, he qualified for courses at the University of Chicago as part of a gifted students program. Oh. So he enrolled in the course uh, by age 17 and wanted to be an electrical engineer. Suddenly, he became popular with the ladies. Or he's a good-looking kid. He is, and his studies suffered. Yeah, he is really good-looking. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's super smart. He's got a high IQ. And... um you know, he's obviously... On his way to maybe good. Yep. He's a good student. Now the ladies are looking at him, so he's getting distracted from his studies. But I could see how the stealing would be a game. Right. And an intelligence factor for him. Um, but back to June 26. His uncle had returned safe and sound from the war, so he uh, and he had been taking ballroom dancing classes, and he was learning to play chess. He had his date that night, but he needed some extra cash. He went to the post off office to cash a savings bond of a thousand. Oh, back then that was a lot. I don't know where he got the savings <coughs> bond, right. but anyway, the post office was closed, so he went to a particular neighborhood on the north side. Uh oh! And reached into an open apartment door to Uh-oh. lift some money. The tenant of the apartment spotted him, and Hirons ran. Two policemen chased him, and he pulled a gun from out of the back of his jeans at the police. He later claimed he had the gun to protect himself. Some say that he shot first, but he says the police shot at him, and then he returned fire. Mm-hmm. In the meantime, now this sounds like a movie, an off-duty officer, still in his swim trunks from a day at the beach, smashed a stack of flower pots over his head, knocking him unconscious. Oh. He was arrested and woke up to the horror of being accused of killing Suzanne. 
So he stole money, then he wakes up being accused of murder. Mm-hmm. That's really ridiculous. I think so. I'm not sure how. That's sort of bad police work there. On earth, they thought that. I mean, it just, to jump from you're a petty criminal to you dismembered this little girl. Well, pressure maybe. And the only thing I could think of is he was in the same neighborhood and he had dark hair. That's the only thing I can think of that they could tie him. Now, get this. He was tortured during the interrogation at a hospital wing at the Cook County Jail. A nurse poured ether on his genitals while he was strapped to a bed. Wow. A police officer repeatedly punched him in the stomach while he chanted details of Degnan's murder to spark recognition in Hirons, who denied murdering her. And if you look at the website or Instagram, Facebook, you can see he's bent over, Mm -hmm. holding a towel to a punch or bloody, I don't know. Clearly his his shirts, yeah. His wrists. Mm -hmm. Uh, Several days later. Clearly been beat up. A spinal tap was administered with no anesthesia. He screamed in pain. A polygraph was ordered, but he was in too much pain for it to be accurately assessed. And he was even injected with sodium pentothal or truth serum, but he didn't confess even under the truth serum. Instead, he was in a semi-conscious delirium. About wow. after about four days, he started confessing. I, w- I yeah, absolutely. Well, you've had yeah. ether poured over your genitals. You've been tortured with a spinal cap- tap. You've been abused, and it's been proven false confessions are coerced. They get false confessions you. today with yeah. less. Yes. So the fact that this kid hung out for four days, being brutalized, and refused and- to confess is amazing. I could see your psyche would just be so, okay, I did it, just to get well, it to stop. Well, even fatigue and lack of <clears throat> sleep, food will food, cause people right. to do that, right? All right. Okay, so he starts confessing, and he spoke of a man named George who did the killings. Police searched for a George, but they didn't find one. So they learned that Hiram's middle name was George. Oh, no. So they named him, excuse me, him the Lipstick Killer. They then searched his room at the university, his parents' home, and a locker he kept at the local train station, and they found evidence of theft in his locker, but they did all of this without a warrant. They also took his fingerprints, and they were supposedly a nine-point match to the smudged ones on the Dengen uh, ransom note, but that was later disputed. I don't believe it. Well, and you have to have a 12 to 13 point to be a match. I don't think they even had a nine. I don't either, because how could you have that with smudges? And besides, I don't think those murders even connected I don't either. To, the, to the women, the child at all. Seven days after his arrest on July 12, 1946, he was indicted for assault with intent to kill, robbery, 23 counts of burglary, and three counts of murder. Hirons wanted his day in court, okay, at this point. So let's summarize the evidence. Okay. Number one. His handwriting did not match the ransom note or the lipstick message. Number two, his fingerprint did not match the fingerprint at Suzanne's crime scene. And on top of that, the bloody foot fingerprint from the Brown apartment was a rolled print, meaning it was lifted from a fingerprint card and not a latent print. Mm -hmm. Number three, Hirons was wrong about facts, locations, and events in his confession, four, 
His lie detector tests were either inconclusive or showed he was not lying. Number five, Richard Thomas had confessed to the crime. And before the Chicago police went to Arizona to interview him, Hirons was arrested and they lost interest. And he had more, his finger, I mean, he had more evidence against him than he did this kid. Mm-hmm. Plus, That's he terrible. had, you know, a past record of molesting his daughter. Yes. The media lied about all of this. And because of the media frenzy and pressure on the police, they put an innocent man in prison, in my opinion. I agree. Hirons pled guilty because... Um, again, he would have been dead within days or weeks if he had not pled guilty. And you don't know what they promised. They the promised police. not to kill him. Yeah, the police could have promised, well, if you tell me, we'll let you go home. Oh, I yeah. mean, that tactic still well, is done today. Well, I don't know today, if they but... used that tactic necessarily because they were just torturing him. Well, no, but, but we don't know what they were saying to him. Well, we do know that they were like, you can either die within a, de- mm-hmm. a few days mm-hmm. or a few weeks or you can confess. His rights were violated for sure. And he knew he'd be he'd be dead. Like, he wouldn't have time to prove. No. The Chicago papers lied about a lot of stuff. Uh, they headlined the Hirons case 157 times in 10 weeks. Wow. One headline said the Hirons story, how he killed Suzanne Degnan and two women, and claimed that he confessed, but he hadn't yet. Uh, by pleading guilty, he got three life sentences and used the remainder of his life to get free. Oh, my God. It's just unbelievable, actually, what they did to this man. When clearly he was not guilty. Seriously, he wasn't. Yeah. I mean, the evidence even shows you, even if you have a confession. Right. And a judge agreed. Oh. In 1953, the Illinois Supreme Court said, quote, Of course, the search of the petitioner's living quarters, the incessant and prolonged questioning of petitioner while he was confined to a hospital bed, the unauthorized use of sodium pentothal and a lie detector were flagrant violations of his rights. Such conduct on the part of law enforcement officials deserves the severest condemnation. In fact, people should have gone to jail. The court went on to say that since the case was settled on a plea bargain, the violations were not responsible for the conviction. Which means he... Stays in jail. Oh, stays in jail. In 1968... Justice Luther Swigert of the U.S. Court of Appeals said the case presents a picture of a public prosecutor and defense counsel, if not indeed the trial judge, buckling under the pressure of a hysterical and sensation-seeking press bent upon obtaining retribution for a horrendous act. The state's attorney and defense counsel usurped the judicial function, complying with a community scheme inspired by the press to convict the defendant without his day in court. In 1973, Illinois adopted the Unified Code of Corrections that changed Illinois penal laws. Under its provisions, Hiron's consecutive sentences were aggregated into one sentence. Illinois put into effect three specific criteria for parole. Is a prisoner capable of becoming a law-abiding citizen? Does the prison record warrant parole? And newly added parole should be denied if the release would deprecate the seriousness of the offense or promote disrespect for the law. Retroactively applying the new paroling criterion eventually prevents pre-1973 prisoners from being paroled. If it were not for this retroactive bill uh, application, Bill could have been paroled as early as 84. Wow. In 95, a clemency hearing was held in Chicago at which the Illinois Prisoner Review Board had an opportunity to hear the expert witnesses and view the evidence used to force his confession. Governor Edgar denied clemency to him more than three years later. 
1998, that same review board gave Bill a three-year sentence so that they did not have to hear his case again, or a three-year set so they did not have to hear his case again until 2001. At that point, he'd be observing his 73rd birthday. That's terrible. They knew. They knew all those years and and wouldn't let him out. So basically, the judge is saying that because he pled, right, he did a plea bargain, the violations of his rights when he was interviewed, right, I guess you could say tortured, really, um, that they were not responsible for the conviction. His plea deal was. But they okay. knew he was tortured I'm, to I'm get a confession. I'm just trying to figure out, okay, first of all, he wouldn't have confessed if he wasn't tortured, tortured and facing the death penalty. So they know all of this, but yet he stays in there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, it's really frustrating. Now... I really admired this man because um, he was determined to not let prison destroy his life, okay? Mm -hmm. There were three suicide attempts, though, within his first 42 days in custody. But That's understandable. Absolutely. You're at your lowest. You've been beaten. You've been tortured. And he's a young, young man. And you're young, yes. Uh And he knows his whole life is going to be in prison, so I'm sure it was really hard. Couldn't afford a good lawyer, I'm sure. He acquired uh, 197 credit hours of schooling through correspondence courses. He was the first inmate to enter a Bachelor of, Ar- Bachelor of Arts degree. He wow. was employed by the prison garment industry, spending 10 years overseeing production. He learned television and radio repair. Wow. You said he was smart. Yeah. He was transferred to what was called an honor, honor farm at Stateville and set up a repair shop on the grounds. He taught his skills to other inmates. He assisted in developing many educational programs, counseled inmates who wanted to get their GEDs, taught math courses, and worked at the law library at the Vienna Correctional Center. He helped countless inmates prepare legal documents and advise them. He was also a very skilled artist, and his paintings won many blue ribbings at Stateville art shows. What a waste. Mm-hmm. What a waste. Yeah. How could they live with herself knowing he wasn't guilty? Well, that's the problem. You know, they think they know. They think that he did it. And there's no, I mean, we've seen it over and over where you have overwhelming evidence that a person that was convicted was not the killer. They actually have DNA. They can even have the other killer that confess, like, hey, I'm the one that actually did this. And the prosecutor's like, well, we still stand by our conviction. It's I think stupid. Some, I think some, though, know. You know. Yes, you that have he's not to know. Guilty. You have to, unless you're an idiot. Or and, so prideful. Right, prideful. That you can't admit you were wrong. I, I think that might be. Even today, some of them do it. DAs will know and yes. prosec- I mean, uh, police, but they can't. Not only that, mm-hmm. but can you imagine the uproar that would happen? Oh, yeah. Because they, these were such, you know, crazy cases. So two cases, t- two women and a child, different cases, in my opinion, mm-hmm. got away with murder. Mm-hmm. Somebody did. I think it was that one guy that and, killed the little girl. Yeah. Because he was in the vicinity. He worked. He saw her all the time. Yes. So now. And there's a lot of evidence on him, really, more than and this he was guy. confess, but again, the confession would be hard for me to take. But, I mean, he was there at the time. Now, I had But never, how they got him from stealing to that? I mean, that's just crazy. He was just stealing. So the Stateville Honor Farm, I had never heard of this. I haven't either. It was a minimum security facility where fruits and vegetables were cultivated. After that, he was then transferred to Vienna, which was an experimental new prison near the Kentucky border. 
There weren't any guard towers, fences, etc. Oh, no. It was kind of organized like a college campus versus, versus a prison. Inmates were known as residents. They could move about freely, and they wore civilian clothes, which was tough for Hirons at first because he had been in prison for you know, 30 sort years Sort of like already. a ha- halfway house today. It was even a co-ed prison. Oh, my. Every fall, he worked uh, on day release picking apples at a local orchard. He also trained as an EMT wow. and worked on an ambulance in the community. <gasps> he also began well, he to grow a lot, flowers. And so the experiment of Vienna eventually ended as violent Chicago gangs caused problems and prisons were overcrowded. Now, parole was his last hope, okay? There was too much media attention for clemency, so his lawyers tried one more time in 2002, but it was denied. Parole caused a similar uproar, and he was denied every time. He died in prison at the Dixon Correctional Center after serving 65 years at the age of 83. How could you not read all of that, how he was treated? Unless they didn't put it in the reports, but and not know he was innocent. Mm -hmm. I mean, what would be in that file from stealing, you get knocked out and you wake up and you're a murderer Mm -hmm. of three Three people. Mm-hmm. That'd be interesting to see the reports on that case. So now we have, you know. How no old was he, you said, when he died? 83. That's crazy. So he was 18. Yeah, when he was arrested. So no evidence against him at all. I don't believe they were the same killer. Mm-mm. And I believe that a 17-year-old from a bad family with a criminal history decided to steal at the wrong place at the wrong time. He was beaten until he finally confessed. But again, he was well on his way to bigger crimes, you know, uh, than the the theft. But we don't know. I mean, he could have straightened up and gone to college and had a productive life. Yeah, married someone. He was smart. I mean, he was a kid. Mm -hmm. Not every kid goes out and steals, but he was a kid. He could have straightened up or it could have got worse. Mm -hmm. But a murderer? I didn't think he murdered anybody. You know, let's say there's a series of murders and, you know, Stephen happens to go to a convenience store, you know, and forget to pay for something, you know, and then all of a sudden he's the serial killer. I mean, that's what it feels like. They jumped so far from him stealing, you know, some money to go on a date to he Mm -hmm. killed a little girl and two grown women. I know. That's just crazy. I don't think he did it whatsoever. I don't either. And he never said he did. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, the confession. But once he got older, I mean, he he was beat to death almost. I'd confess. His plan was to confess, do a plea deal, get in jail, and then prove he was innocent. So here's the deal. We've got a killer who killed those two women. Right. And we have a killer who killed the little girl. Mm Mm-hmm. There was not another murderer like the little girl in Chicago at that time. And I think that's because the one that did it was in Arizona. I agree. I think that was him. I mean, the evidence, how they had evidence on him. And I'd be curious. Like, but not this guy. Was he in prison the rest of the time in Arizona? Was he in and out of prison? Did he, well, were there murders like that before? Or was that a one-off? Because, you know, a lot of people, they think, oh, I'm going to kill someone. Then, well, not a lot of people. But some killers, yeah, I'm going to kill people. And then they do the first one. They don't really like it. What was the person that I think did it with the child? What was his name that was so close, which had more evidence than this guy? Let's be honest. Let's see. His name was... Because 
I don't know how they I don't know how they connected the dots with this guy. I mean, clearly he was innocent. And even the judges thought so. Well, thought he was treated bad. Not enough evidence, but he still had to stay. Yeah. That's just prideful. Okay, the strongest suspect was Russell Richard Russell Thomas. But again, I don't even think like if he did kill Suzanne, I the other murders to me are totally different and separate. I, do, so I think so too. He would have only to me have been guilty of Suzanne's murder if if he was the one I that agree. had done it, right? So yeah, they just they they piece together the murders right off the bat, and we don't even know if the you know message left by the killer was a killer's. It sounds like it was a journalist. You know, and I mean, tried to connect it to the Black Dahlia murder, which yeah, to me is did. no connection. Yeah, it was crazy. He didn't dump people. He was too. What it, what's the word I'm looking? He was too. Uh, I don't know. Uh, he he's not going to dump her because he cleaned it. He cleaned her. He scrubbed her. Yeah, the, he to staged me, the Black her. Dahlia. Too he much, wanted attention. Yes, to his murder. He never threw in. He didn't throw her in the Sewers. sewer. Yeah, and. She was an adult, not a child. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't understand the connection. I think the only connection that they had where they thought the lipstick killer was responsible for the Black Dahlia was the surgical precision that um, Suzanne was dismembered. But it was sloppy. Didn't you say it wasn't as accurate as... No, I didn't say that. But uh, I don't even know if that's true, though, because the way the police lied. I know. You know. And the newspapers. So I don't know if it was surgical precision or not. But we do know, in our summary, these crimes were not related. And I would be very interested on what the listeners think because, uh, you know, true crimers, they watch a lot of it and they read a lot of it. It's like a, and I hate to use this word, but like a hobby you know, because you got real people who lost real family members and it just, you know, their life is destroyed. But it is. It's like we read a lot of material and I, I, there's no way you can tell me this was the same killer. And the listeners, if they have any ideas, can always respond. I would love to hear. Because that's interesting to me. And when you have listeners respond of things you might not have yeah, thought about. Like, or do, do people know more about the main right, suspect? right. Uh, and, and they did. They worked hard to try to get Hirons out. And what I find interesting is a judge, you know, said this case was driven by the press. Uh-huh. Well, then you can see that the governor's decision on giving them clemency was driven by the press. And so was the parole board. Yeah. The guy had no chance. Mm. And that's the problem with media and all of that stuff. If you could just literally sit down and research this stuff uh-huh. and get the facts, they would have they had to have all agreed this guy didn't do it. I mean, there's, you know, the confession means nothing, not when you're tortured. Not when you're tortured. And a spinal tap. And you can literally see in the pictures he's wounded. Yeah, he's hurt. You know, in the custody of police. So it just, I think the cops that did that should have been fired and criminally prosecuted. Prosecuted. And the case should have been dismissed like it would be today. Right. But it wasn't. And so I think an innocent he man died in life. prison. Never mm-hmm. got married, I'm assuming. No children. Nope. His whole life. His whole life. But instead. Perfect, perfect uh, inmate. Yep. And instead of being bitter, he helped other people. And I think, too, if you had killed three people and a, or two and a child, you know, you wouldn't have turned out like he did in prison. Right. You wouldn't be planting flowers. 
I would think. Right. We've had a lot of serial killers we've studied, and I've never heard of any of them going to plant flowers, helping other inmates, <laughs> going to school, getting their master's. I've yeah. heard of some going to school. I have too, but, but not yeah, the to the extent he that was. he did. Yeah, He was definitely a highly intelligent man who had a love for learning. And, and being that intelligent, I don't think he'd be so sloppy Mm-mm. as these three murders were. Mm-mm. Which I don't think, you know, like I said, the child was even connected to the to the women. Yeah. That's just crazy. So leave a review, um, outline of a podcast, and then uh, we'd love to hear your thoughts on this I'd case. I'd like to hear. That'd be interesting, mm-hmm. other people's thoughts. Because you can do that on Instagram, Facebook. You can direct message me on Facebook, and you can also uh, respond on our uh, website. Mm-hmm. Yes. Outline of a Murder is a Mr. Joseph production. What do you think, Joseph? Ah!